industry in Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Jarrett. This is our emergency pod. Uh, Clemson has a new offensive coordinator. Wow. Uh, Jarrett Dabo did the damn thing. It's 24 hours since our last recording. Naturally, there's going to be a big Clemson news drop that happened, and certainly there was. Um, we'll go through the facts and what's rumored here real quick, and then we'll, we'll kind of get into this. Not going to be an in-depth show tonight, just our initial reactions here. So um, out is Brandon Streeter. After one year as OC at Clemson, um, he's going to be paid out. I think he had a three-year contract of around a million dollars. It was south of that, but close enough. Um, so Brandon Streeter out as Clemson OC for 2023 and beyond. In is Garrett Riley, age 33, I believe. Um, OC, most recently at TCU. Previously, he was at SMU. Brother of Lincoln Riley. Um, architect of a really potent bounce-back offense from TCU, a top-10 offense by advanced stats. This was basically like the top OC candidate. I don't even know if he was a candidate truly for a program um, other than the, the level or caliber of a Clemson or an Alabama. So um, a lot of us, you know, that have been talking for a while about who we'd want to come in. Garrett Riley was definitely on that list for a lot of people. So uh, this is huge, Jarrett. Um, you know, also rumored today, obviously there was talk about what was the timing of this. TCU played a game three nights ago on national TV versus Georgia, obviously. Um, so when would this go down? There were no rumors of this. So that was incredible. Um, also we're hearing rumblings that Jeff Scott might come on board to Clemson in an analyst capacity. I think that's still a rumor, not confirmed, but big day. What's your reaction? My reaction is uh, shock and awe. Um, I really thought, you know, when you think of, we fired Kevin Steele. And again, the last time Dabo fired the coordinator, it was uh, Kevin Steele in 2011 after the Orange Bowl, the terrible Orange Bowl that we had against West Virginia. Um, and, you know, we started to think our offense is not looking good. It's looking rough. It's But when are we, are we ever going to have something the caliber of that Orange Bowl blowout? where Dabo just goes, okay, finally, I'll, I'll turn the keys over to somebody else. So we were honestly feeling kind of hopeless as fans that, I mean, literally listen to the recording that we just did yesterday, where I said myself that I was like, we're going to be 11 and three. It's going to be another meh year where we do good, we do bad. But now that this has happened, it's like Dabo seems like he looked in the mirror and he saw the fact of what, we had versus what the standard is. And it's almost like he just read our minds. I I'm pretty sure he's listening to the podcast based on how he reacted. Well, Jared, I mean, I, I just read Dabo's comments um, on a Clemson media site here. And if you gave us a homework assignment yesterday to write his press release for his thought process and motivations for moving on at this position, like this is exactly how I think we would have written this thing. And, um, you know, we'll, maybe pause here. I mean, Brandon Streeter, 
was involved in this program's rise to prominence. You know, he, he definitely played a strong role. We, we do wish him the best. He's a Clemson former player, alum, you know, mm-hmm. solid GA. guy by all accounts. Yeah. GA, like everything worked his way up. So really good story. I think just this was not this was not it. This was not the fit. This is not the role. It just didn't work out. And um, look, he like he's gonna get he's gonna get a job somewhere else. And who knows, he may come back to Clemson at some point. Um, mm-hmm. but really this is, I think, as you said, and as Davo said, like he evaluated this program and where where the standard needed to be, where he wanted it to be, and needed new new leadership. So um, I mean, off the top, in terms of Dabo motivations or what is that wake up call, what is that moment? Really that orange bowl to me, like that didn't really feel like the West Virginia ass kicking that we took as much. I think it was probably a culmination of things. And like, I wanted to ask you, like, what do you really think among the following things is really Dabo's biggest wake up call for kind of motivating this? Like, I I imagine it wasn't just the orange bowl. Like, was it Notre Dame with the inept offensive performance? Was it kind of the in-game adjustment problems that we saw in South Carolina, obviously Syracuse, and the orange bowl. Um, might there be like other external factors? Like, uh, I guess this is still internal, but how players have responded on the team, you know, to kind of the, the situation. Um, I think we could all tell that Will Shipley hasn't been a happy camper. Um, any of that, or is it even something like seeing FSU out of the corner of his eye, like, you know, rise back to prominence. Sure. It's uh, I mean, you're, you're kind of hitting all the nails on the head and, I it Dabo has been in the game and knows what the top of the mountain looks like. And he knows what player development looks like. He knows about taking players that have zero stars and making them into people that are playing in the NFL for multiple years. And I think what he did is he wanted to believe that he could bring this person along and, you know, other coaches along and like grow them into being elite people. Um, But for, a couple of things. And I think one is he maybe looked at QB development and what has actually happened with Deshaun, with Trevor and DJ, and then what started to happen with Cade. And he's just saying like, okay, like even that at the position coach is not enough. And then he looked at play calling. And like we said yesterday, it's like there was tipping of the plays because maybe it got too simple and maybe it was too, um, you know, they could preemptively read what we were about to do. And then there still wasn't a lot of gel on the offense at times. And we looked really confused. And honestly, I was saying the orange ball, it looked like we were just calling plays by just picking them out of a freaking hat. Absolutely. Like down and down and distance situation didn't, did not seem to match what was called. So yeah, I guess what you're saying is Dabo knows what good looks like. He hasn't been seeing it through a number of different lenses, pretty much time to move on. It was probably not a decision that was made, like only with the orange bowl, the orange bowl, I think sealed it. And what we talked mm-hmm. about yesterday was once DJ left, Brandon Streeter did have an opportunity. He did that, have that audition with Cade at the helm to really extract and improve to everybody, including Dabo, including himself and the team that we could be a high powered elite offense. And we just did not see it top to bottom. Like, yeah, they put up a lot of yards, but this wasn't going to be an offense next year that you, you saw moving into top 10, but we're dwelling a lot here on kind of like the look back and kind of the why behind the decision. Um, maybe one more point before we move on to our excitement about Riley coming in. Um, I also feel like, I mean, it, it was pretty clear this year you saw Dabo getting pulled into the play calling and 
um, maybe he started to recognize like he's a head coach, you know, he needs to focus his efforts on the whole team. And if he's getting pulled in too much to the offensive side, um, you know, to make up for deficiencies in leadership there, et cetera, like I imagine that also weighed on his decision. Super good point. And I think a lot of us immediately saw when Streeter was calling plays that Dabo had his giant play call sheet out and it made all of us nervous. And I think Waffle House menu. Yeah. The Waffle House menu, all-star baby. And I think that a lot of us thought, oh, Dabo just can't help himself. He's got to call plays. But it might have been that just like he just knew based on what he saw in practice and scrimmage that like Streeter just wasn't there and he wasn't ready and he needed help. And so that's why he had that. And I think you're totally potentially right that maybe he just didn't want to have to run the team and then also run the offense at the same time. I mean, I was DMing about this with Dustin Black, um, dude we interact with on Twitter and like, yeah, we talked about this point and I was like, maybe it's the fact that Dabo knows he can't help himself that he's afraid of. And he's like, mm-hmm. no, like I got to get out of this. Like I need mm-hmm. someone that I can trust and that I'm not tempted to get involved in metal. That's wishful thinking, but sure. either way he made the, he made the call. Um, I do want us to maybe have a moment here to talk about Garrett Riley, but um, yeah, I mean, he turned around TCU in one season there offensively, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, I've actually uh, got some insane, like some stats that I just pulled up. I, I didn't have enough time to pull up tons of stats, but I found a handful that were super interesting. First of all, one is that um, last year TCU was like five and seven. And uh, that like for this year, like the recruiting class that came in, like there was something they're normally like in the 40s and like 30s with their recruiting classes. They had like 18 transfers. So like even just think about like, what is somebody that's going to take a team that goes from five and seven and then is playing in the natty, even though they got, you know, it didn't work out for them um, when they're going to have talent. That's like not 40th, but like top 10, top five talent. Um, So that already is really good. And then some of the stats between just, just one season of OC is scoring offense went from 65 to six red zone TD 65th ranked, right? 65th in the country. 65th in the country to sixth in the country. Red zone TD percentage, 86 to 37th. So plays of 20 plus yards went from 32nd to fourth. Long rushing plays went from 16th to eighth. And then long passing plays went from 51st to 11th. So, I mean, you look at some of these stats. I didn't honestly watch a ton of TCU during the season. But, you know, look at the stats, look at where they were last year and listen to people who know way more than us that are on um, the interwebs that have really um, deep, detailed analysis. And I'm feeling just blown away, like excited of the potential of this. So Clemson this year, according to F plus, which is a composite of SP plus by Bill Connolly and FEI by Brian Fremo, basically two preeminent advanced stats systems. They merged the two of those. Clemson's offense advanced stats was ranked 44th. TCU's was ranked ninth. And mm-hmm. I think if you looked at 2021, TCU is probably in like the fifties, give, give or take mm-hmm. like overall. So, and that's with the talent difference. Yeah. Right. In the first season he was there at the helm. Yeah. Um, that just, and yeah, they, they used the transfer portal. They upgraded the talent profile, but they had a journeyman quarterback doing all this mm-hmm. for them. Um, so what can they do with Cade Klubnik? 
a lot of good things. So yeah, I mean, we should be very excited about Garrett Riley beyond the hype. Um, the guy in a short career, he's 33. He's had an OC job for probably five years at the most. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's from that, you know, air raid kind of family tree. I think he also spent time at Texas tech. If I'm not wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, like, yeah, the air raid family tree basically, you know, runs strong there. Um, so what it, I mean, I guess Jarrett, like night of the news, what does this do for your outlook for the 2023 season? For the 2023 season, it's been so long since we've had such a hire like this. It's really been since Venables and we didn't really know what to expect his first year. It was kind of like, you know, picking up a little momentum. And then he really took off in his like second, third, fourth, fifth year. And so do, I don't know that we're going to keep Riley that long, but the benefit of offense when you come in is that you can just redo the playbook and get people excited about like, you know, really fast, either it's tempo or whether it's attacking the middle or just getting rid of concepts that are just junk and simplifying things. Uh, I think Riley's the guy that can really take this team from like a, another 10 and four, 11 and three, and then really, I mean, put us back in the comp- a conversation to be able to get into the playoffs again and play for a natty. Like that's really what we're missing is that offensive continuity and that aggression and that willingness to like, just do the right like thing, but call the right plays. I think if you, there's like one wild card element here. If you only had the depth chart as it exists right now, and you introduce what he could bring from a playbook and a play calling perspective. I think this has elevated us into definitely winning the ACC against a tough schedule, really good contention to win a CFP game. Um, what I'm interested to see is what happens with the February signing class, like the, you know, the actual national signing day um, and the transfer portal window. Mm-hmm. We believe there's going to be some transfers out from Clemson after spring practice who did he have coming to TCU in that recruiting class? Like, are there guys mm-hmm. that we can flip to Clemson? Are there guys we can get in the transfer portal that are either on TCU's roster from this last year? There's no like non-compete, non-recruit uh, agreements in the college football world. There's in the tech industry, Jarrett and, you know, other industries, mm-hmm. but not college football, not athletics. So um, I think there may be some talent upgrades out there that could happen as a result of this or just in general. Mm-hmm that can really help Clemson and elevate us to compete with Georgia and Bama and Ohio state and whoever else next year. So yeah, there's no single move Dabo could have made. I guess it was a two part move that would have elevated Clemson into this position better than this one. I mean, just, yeah, higher. exactly. I would, I would say a plus higher. And like, I'm going to go like, it's so funny. We recorded that yesterday and we gave our grades to Dabo. It's like Dabo for me is going to go from a C minus, but I'll leave him a C minus for the season. But he is starting 2023, the this new season at an A plus because right. we just we truly just didn't think he had the guts to cut one of his guys and to not just let Streeter resign, but he was fired. Now my dad worked in HR for 25 plus years, so I know the difference between being fired and resigning, and um, there there is a difference. So um, being fired is like it's it's a bigger deal. And I'm looking at TCU's uh, class for 23, and that's not to include people already on the team. But like, yeah, four-star wide receivers, number two recruit. There's a, the four-star D lineman. Not that we need more D lineman, but it's like, and I'm not saying we're going to go poach TCU's right. team, but 
Garrett's going to bring his own staff, his support people. And I think he's going to say, hey, Dabo, you brought me here. You're going to pay me to come here. Like, I'm going to have some say in, like, how we run things on the offense. And um, if I feel like I need talent and you're not giving me the talent and we don't have it in the wings, like, I'm going to go take it. I hope that's what happens. Yeah, he's going to sort of impose his will on that. And I'm sure that was part of the negotiation of him coming on was, like, I get to shop for the groceries, right? Which who knows what that means in terms of you said support staff, certainly from an analyst Mm -hmm. perspective. And, you know, he'll probably bring a handful of folks that are otherwise known as analysts or, you know, other off-field assistants. But um, what does that mean for some of the other offensive on-field coaches? I imagine Dabo has already made his, um, they've already aligned on who gets to stay another year, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I imagine you would have heard it this week or today if uh, any other decisions were going to get made, but who knows? Still some time. Um, yeah, I feel yeah, like he'll, he'll I, probably I just, let it breathe. Yeah. Right. And maybe if he's going to like, someone else go, yeah. We, all of the staff stuff aside, I do think there's the talent on this offense already, like either coming in or already on the team, that you can you can plug into his offense. Like Cade Klubnik, I'm not saying he's like mm-hmm. the prototypical quarterback. I need to watch a lot more Garrett Riley you know, film or whatever to determine that. But I'm really excited to see what he can get out of Cade and what out of Antonio Williams and Adam Randall and everybody else. Will Shipley. Yeah. You said it uh, yourself multiple times this season. We've been a rudderless ship on offense and we have a motherfucking rudder right now. Yeah. It's huge. It's su- such yeah. a good feeling. It's insane. Um, amazing turnaround. You touched on this, what it just means like long-term look, Garrett Riley is not going to be a lifer at OC at Clemson. He's just not, but this is a immediate bounce back couple seasons, three years. That would be my expectation Two, three, four years. That would be my expectation for how long he sticks around before he's able to, I mean, there's no bigger program. He'd go be an OC at unless mm-hmm. some weird go work for his brother kind of situation happened. But mm-hmm. I think head coach wise, like if he can turn Clemson around and put us back in the natty or win a natty, yeah, he's going to be highly sought after as a head coach, just like Ryan Day was and all that. So, um, re- you know, reinvigorating this offense. If you do bring in a Jeff Scott, you've got Kyle Richardson on staff. Like my my kind of, you know, I guess best case long term scenario here is that Garrett Riley comes in and rejuvenates this offense. Then someone like Kyle Richardson can stay on. You know, they've got kind of similar area concept background. Mm-hmm. Can he and a Jeff Scott potentially run the offense if Garrett Riley moves on? But yeah, we're we're getting way ahead of ourselves here. Um, super twenty twenty three season's coming. It's really exciting. We are super excited, and I just I I really didn't think Dabo had the guts. And like his press release, like you said, um, if you would have told us, hey, write a press release in your absolute dream scenario of Dabo moving on and doing the right thing, it would have been him taking responsibility, which he did. And then he basically said, I need to have a dynamic proven coordinator in this role. That's going to meet and then exceed the standard that we have set. I literally like almost, I was like shaking at my standing desk at work in my (laughs) cushy tech job. I was just like, yes, finally, like he gets it. He's a certified podcast fan because that's all the stuff we've been saying for two years. At, at grown up daycare, you were you're you're hyped. Yeah. Well, hashtag blessed. 
no, hundred percent. I mean, I, I will say one thing though. I think the criticisms we've lobbied over decisions and just the outcomes of the team over the last year, the grade that we gave for the season yesterday, I'm not changing my tune on that. I think what I would say is like, we'll eat some crow on is expecting Dabo not to make a move as soon as he did. And, um, yeah. you know, thank you, Dabo hats off. It's huge. Yeah. Dabo's back, baby. Yeah, that's right. Um, well, Hey, that's all we got. I don't know if you have any other thoughts here. It's an instant reaction. Um, We'll be back. I know Ben and Cody are going to want to get in on this and unpack this. We might have more more news nuggets to drop coming over the coming days, but mm-hmm. um, I would encourage everyone to tune into that Duke game on Saturday because I think he's going to be announced at that game as OC. Roof of Little John's going to blow off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's go, shooty hoop, squeaky squeaky shoe ball. <laughs> nice. All right, Jarrett. Well, thanks for jumping on, man. Um, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. And as always, go Tigers.